this role and the presence we have in, a, in EMEA in Europe and the focus on driving new business there. And then, you know, going into whether it's Germany, Austria, Switzerland, and even even just demonstrate just a little bit, whether you can, you know, it's at a dinner dinner event and you can you do some of the German. That goes a long way. You always eventually flip back to English, but being able to have a little sidebar chat for five minutes uh, in another language is fantastic for from a business perspective. Hey guys, welcome back to Beyond High Street. Get ready for a super interesting conversation and pod with Jeff Brunka. Jeff and I finished Miami together 25 years ago. That's right. We know it's 25 because we're both heading back for the reunion in June with a lot of friends and colleagues and looking forward to hooking back up with a lot of people that we've had on the pod and some people uh, that we haven't seen in a long time. This was a really interesting podcast. We spent a lot of time talking about his personality of a risk taker and leaps of faith going from small town, Mount Vernon, Ohio, to Oxford, which was a big risk for him then, and then heading right out of school to a horse ranch, a horse farm in Germany without knowing any German and having uh, and learning German from a 14-year-old kid who was over there that was also trying to learn English. So those guys mentored each other and taught each other language. It's really cool. And how he learned German also from the other farmhands and spent six months doing that before moving to Munich and spending eight years and jumping from big business to big business and then ready for another risk, went down under and went to Australia for almost a decade before moving back to New York five years ago. And now he's over at Amazon at AWS and leading global alliances and just crushing it every day. And I loved his comments about what Amazon, who Amazon hires, they hire builders. I thought that's a cool word. And you can see because Amazon does unbelievable stuff every day. We spend a bit of time on what he got out of Miami, why Miami and what he got out of Miami. And you'll hear a lot about the risk side and, and you know, how he used that in those four years in Oxford to the success he has now. And of course, we had to close with what is the first thing he's going to do when he shows back up at Oxford in June for his 25th reunion with me. And I'll let you listen to the pod to hear what he says. Thanks, guys. Have a good day. I grew up in small town, Ohio, a town called Mount Vernon. It was about 15,000 people. It was an hour north of Columbus, but it was okay. still very rural. And so coming out of my, and even going to Miami was actually um, kind of a, a kind of a jump for me just in terms of size and then kids from all these, you know, city suburbs and whatnot. But, but in my mind, I was, you know, when I finished Miami, I was like, I, I need to get out of Ohio <laughs> was kind of a starting point. And I, and I wanted to do something fairly different. Um, and, and so in my head, I was like, I would love to get to spend some time in Europe. And at that time it was kind of like, you know, you could get over to go over to Spain, teach English, you'd go to Ireland, work in a bar, kind of something along those lines. And, and through friends of family, friends, um, because I mean, in my head, so I was like, I'm going to Europe and, and friends of family, friends said, well, I've got a, this guy has a cousin. He has, he, he has this horse ranch right on the border of Germany and France uh, in the Alsace region. And he always is looking for, for help. And I, and I'm like, that sounds perfect. So, um, I kind of, I, re I really just packed a duffel bag in my head. I, I had, I was like, I'll go for six months. I had enough money for six months. And, and my, my thing was, I didn't want to just go to Europe and kind of backpack around. I actually wanted to stay in one spot and figure it out from there. So I, I, um, 
ended up going to this, this horse farm. And then, so I went down in size, actually the town was like a hundred people. <laughs> I didn't know, I didn't know a lick of German. Um, it was probably the, to, to be honest, like if I look back at my career, it was like the first big kind of, uh, risk or leap of faith I took, which then created kind of a series of other, uh, risk taking events or just leaning into discomfort a little bit. So, so in doing that, I showed up this horse farm, had to pick up German pretty quickly, just to even kind of co-mingle and, and operate. And, um, they had about, uh, what they? they had about 200 head of cattle and about a hundred, uh, horses. They, they raised Icelandic horses. So I was just like, I, I'm, I'll roll up my sleeves and get, get right involved and, you know, do, do all the tractor duties and whatever, whatever they needed. So um, did you, did you actually, did you live on the ranch? Yeah. Yeah. So they, they put me up in a, at first was kind of like a, a, a like a barn for guests. And then after a month or two, they had to move me out of that because, Somebody was kind of moving into that full time, and they put me in this old wooden trailer. That, that I have a picture of it. I was showing somebody recently, and and it was it was just small, like no no heating, no electricity. Just you know, it was very basic. I had to use the the shower in the bathroom and the in the stalls. Um, so it was just kind of a very um, different and unusual thing. But as I got so the the key for for that was I had to learn German really quickly because nobody on the really around the, the farm. I think the the, the wife of the family, the mother, she spoke pretty good English, but the majority of the people, even the guy, the uncle that owned the farm didn't and the, the workers didn't. So I had to learn German really quickly within a month or two just to be just to be able to say I'd like some bread with some some butter and jam or something. So how, how, um, how did you, while living in a trailer, how did you learn the German? Well, so a lot of it was just with these other workers out and we were doing it was six days a week. So we got Sundays off and um uh, was you'd, we'd start, we'd meet every morning at 7am for like this, this, all the workers would come together with the family to have breakfast. It was a very traditional type of thing. And they'd all speak German. And then I'd, I'd set off and, um, uh, work with these guys. And actually for the first week or two, uh, yeah, I was working with these guys. And then I started to have a go with the German at breakfast. And, and then they're like, what did you say? And, and I said, repeated it. And it turned out, some, some of the, a lot of the workers were Polish, so I was learning Polish <laughs> instead of German. And so then they were they were they were like, okay, we gotta we gotta rethink this. Um, and, and and then one of the, so they had this 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 riding school on the farm with with all these horses, and uh, they they got me connected with this high school student that wanted to practice his English. This kid, he was like fourteen or fifteen, and so we started to do reciprocal lessons. I was helping him with his English. He helped me with German, and then that got me a little bit of the textbook part of it but to be honest it was a it was just you know the best way to learn a language is to immerse yourself full on like a child would for anywhere you know three to six months and just get the speaking part of it down um and it was it, you know I, I definitely picked it up quickly and the funny thing is i i'd studied german uh, sorry i'd studied spanish in college so uh i did that that obviously did me no good over there but but yeah, so it was, good. It was well, I, two two kind of points out of that. One, one the yeah. part that you're learning Polish and you don't know you're learning Polish is wonderful. Yeah, and then <laughs> and then two in today's world that we live in now of so much more like reverse mentorship and the 25 year olds teaching executives technology. I appreciate the even yeah. then you and a 14 15 year old kid each kind of co-teaching each other what you need from a language perspective is pretty neat. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, yeah, exactly. That, that relationship worked well and kind of set me up. And it was, 
just again, going to the experience of I had no other choice. Whereas if, because I ended up going to Munich after six months on the farm and then kind of got into more of the traditional, you know, business career and the, the, the big, the kind of my first couple, uh, decent, decent jobs kind of landed in Munich. But if I'd done that first, if you kind of go to any of the big cities in Europe, you can get away with English. I, I mean, I knew people there that would be there three or four years and really c- couldn't, uh, really even speak basic German. Hmm. So I think, uh, throwing myself off the deep end was, was key for those first six months. And and why why the move after six months and you go from being on a farm learning German um, to all of a sudden getting back into business clothes and you know creating a you know a, a career path. Yeah, well, so funny. Firstly, I was like, I've been here now six months. I'd love to con- continue to live in German and actually do something with my degree. I started dating a German girl, and she was from Munich, and. And so, and it was a decent distance, good four hours on the train. So I kind of, again, thought I'm going to just, you know, kind of pack up, go to Munich and, and see what lands and, um, and, and did that and, and was able to get an internship with a, with kind of a TV, a large German TV company that there was really only a three month internship, but it was a foot in the door. It was kind of this, this whole, like, you know, I'll just figure it out mentality. So I, I thought, well, if I can get this internship, that will get me work sponsorship that allows me to stay and work in Germany. And and the reason, main reason I wanted to do that was I was like, would well, be a shame to leave now. I'm just starting to pick up and become somewhat fluent in the language. I'd love to translate that then into to, to my business background and take advantage of, of, of my undergrad and the degree. And then and then have a crack at Munich. Like Munich was a city, it is a city of one million people. That was a substantial step up for me. Again, coming from small town Ohio, so. It just, to me, Munich felt, felt like, you know, New York does to me now um, at that time. Um, and so, yeah, got that, got that internship, those, the, the three months, with, which then got me the, uh, the, the work uh, permit or the, uh, the sponsorship. And from there, I was just kind of able to, to leapfrog each other. Like as the, as the one job ended, my, my work permit had like another six months to go. So then I was able to get into another role and kind of continue until I got to a point after a year or two where I'd like kind of solidified myself or set myself up. And I started working for larger American companies there where it was no longer, hey, you've got a work uh, work permit for a year. You can kind of you know stay as long as you as you want to and kind of renew it every four years. And what and during that time in the the eight years ish you were in Germany, how how beneficial was it? that you then spoke English. It's typically the other, uh, the other way, right? Yeah. Like you're, yeah. wow, you know Spanish or you know German, so that makes you more attractive for uh, a job overseas. Once you're, once you're over there and now you're learning mm-hmm. German, was it beneficial that you also were bilingual knowing English too? Yeah, for sure. I mean, one of the, I mean, I did some odd stuff, as, as you know, just, just before kind of the, the bigger world. I, I taught... Uh, English at an English school in, in Munich for a while. I ended up managing kind of uh, several of them at the time. And they ended, this group of English schools was Spanish-owned, but they had developed through Europe. They ended up getting acquired by Sylvan Learning. I don't know if you've heard their, their U.S.-based mm-hmm. uh, L&D group. So, um, so obviously that, that came in super handy. But then even when I kind of did transition into the, the role with Lucent Technologies, which was which it was a, a a good um, good job to get when I when I got it, which was late. Geez, I'm losing track of the time. I think 98 or so, 90, 99, kind of when they were coming on the scene. 
And that was super beneficial. So I had the German pretty well in place, but then the English just because what, what I was doing at that time was kind of all across Europe. So dealing with, with colleagues out of the UK and then obviously they're US based. So, um, and being able to, to kind of talk, talk fluently in, in a, in a German context in Germany, but then have the English background was, 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 was a big deal. Or, yeah. And it, yeah. it sounds like every, every step along the way, there seems to be a risk. Um, if it's, if it's a size of a community or even it's a, a language that's an unknown. So what, what, what's the risk that says, all right, I have figured out Europe. I'm heading down to Australia. Yeah, that was, uh, again, it was, I think I was at a point where hey, I was ready for a change. I'd been in Germany for eight years and was kind of getting to a point thinking, you know, am I, am I, am I going to stay here for the rest of my life? And I was, I was, I was ready to get back to an English speaking country and I had visited Australia and I think in my head, I was, I've never really lived close, close to a beach or, or an ocean and Sydney had just all these amazing dynamics of being a city on the Harbor with beaches. So, um, I, again, I kind of took a leap of faith. I was with Tyco at the time, but, and I visited, spoke to some, some different divisions with Tyco down in Sydney, but really wasn't able to, uh, I did, really wasn't able to secure a, a fixed position before me. I mean, I had a guy in Sydney that said, look, if you show up, down here, we'll, we'll probably find you something. Um, and, and, and I would, again, I was ready to, and my, the division I was with, with Tycho and, and Munich really had nothing going on. So it's just becoming harder and harder to get that to fall into place. And so, so I, I decided, I, I think I can do this again. Uh, and it was almost the exact same model. It was like move there on a, on a, basically a, what was a tourist visa, which would last three months. And if this guy's good on his word, this, this Australian guy, then, then he'll get me a role that'll get me the one year sponsorship. And then if I'm not loving this role, I'll still have the, the work sponsorship and then I can build on it from there. And that's, that's pretty much what happened. You know, I, I got there and he got, he got me into a kind of a sales leader role, uh, again, continuing with Tyco. So it was, it was, it was nice just from a resume, um, uh, perspective and continuous development. And then, and then ended up doing a couple changes, uh, uh, from Tyco onto different things, and we can talk about those. What's the you know risk and leap of faith? What's what's the personality trait? Like, where do you where's it, where's that come from? Um, just in you that makes you go from small town Ohio even to Oxford. Why yeah. do you have that leap of faith? That's a good question. I don't know what the the personality trait is, I do recall, I do remember distinctly being in Mount Vernon and kind of egging my parents on saying, can we move? <laughs> Not that, and, and don't get me wrong. I, I, I love Mount Vernon. I go back there and have very fond memories of it, but I was, I was like, Hey, can we move to like Indianapolis or just something like slightly different? I wanted to, to, to experience something new. And, and I was born in Columbus, but then moved up to Mount Vernon at like four or five. So I'd done, you know, grade school, middle school and high school, all in this small town. And so I had this, I definitely had this drive and sense of adventure and, and I didn't really even fit the mold of saying, okay, I'm going to graduate at 22 and I'm going to get hired as a junior recruit at, you know, IBM or Kodak or whatever, you know, the, the big ones that were recruiting on campus or even the KPMGs, which I ended up, you know, working for, for a long time. I didn't really fit that mold quite well. So it was part a sense of adventure, part 
I think just saying, you know what, taking a risk like this is, is actually probably one of your best options anyway. And then, and, and just trying something different, like don't follow the, the, the typical or traditional path in a way and see if it works out. And staying on that early or young age. So then when you're in Oxford and it's one of your first leap of faiths and risks and going to a school of 15,000 people and probably yeah. not, not many friends from down the hall there, maybe some from high school. What, during those four years, was there, did you feel there was a, a leap of faith in that? I mean, once you were already there throughout the four years and joining fraternities yeah. and doing things in the summer or certain classes? Yeah, I, I, I'd say the big one was actually joining the fraternity mm-hmm. as much, you know, good and bad things that come with it. But for me, it was it was almost all goodness that, that came with that and the, the exposure to to people that I'm still friends with today. And we're having this conversation. We're, we're in different fraternities, but we, well, we we obviously stay in touch. But getting into that that network and building that um, those relationships and that camaraderie just from a guy perspective and then, and particularly given how many most of the people that were at not not all but a lot were from cities and kind of grew up in a in the in the suburb um, suburb lifestyle and then and kind of seeing you know their backgrounds that wasn't wasn't much of a risk but that was a very big uh, I think tipping point for me kind of transitioning from my background into into a person into a young um, uh, professional or a young man that could then say, Hey, I can go tackle Munich. I can go tackle Sydney. I can go tackle New York city. I think that that gave me a lot of confidence Mm. to be honest. And and is, was there a a professor or a class, um, or something that you learned at Miami too, that gave you some of that desire? Not, not even, not necessarily book, book lessons, but, uh, I hear a lot when doing this pod where Miami gave everyone the opportunity to learn, and then it was up to the individual to take advantage of it, which it seems like everyone's done an unbelievable job of doing so. But is there a person or a class or something also in addition to the fraternity? I'm trying to think if there's a person, I mean, I, my, uh, I, I did a business degree. My major was in management with a, with a, uh, a focus on organizational behavior. And I think the, 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 which was, there were probably fewer people going down that route versus the accounting and finance. And the org behavior thing for me was, has always stood out. I've always been fascinated and very interested in, in what drives people extrin- intrinsically and extrinsically, and then what shapes organizations. So I think that and I've just been much more focused on that as a as a as a person in terms of how do I build relationships, and it's kind of what I do now and in, in, in my current role is it's it's so relationship focused um, versus being really long and deep in a technical expertise. So just just going down that organizational behavior track and some of the the dynamics. I mean, I took a I took a class in in women's study in women's studies. I'm not sure why, just had an elective to fill, um, and that. You know, I was like the one or I was, I think, the only guy in the class, and that was obviously a little bit of an uncomfortable feeling, but but, but a good thing to do nonetheless. It's interesting. I mean, there that just is another leap of faith or risk of, of taking a class that, um, I guess, as you're saying, if you're the only man, uh, one that not many men are looking at. So that's interesting, yeah. kind of go, yeah. goes along with your path. So you talked about relationships and networking, um, and organizational structure, and it's, it's what you're doing now. So you've, 
yeah. you did Germany, you did Australia, you, almost 20 years at both, and then you came back, I guess now five, six years ago, and been at, you've been at Amazon or Amazon Web Services for a year yeah. or almost a year, and obviously some other time before that, but talk about what, what the job is now, waking up every day in New York City. Um, you, you've certainly come a long way from Mount Vernon to New York City. Yeah, yeah, that's that's true. I mean, so the job now is I'm I'm leading. I'm the global alliance lead for a number of uh, consulting partners in the uh, in the Amazon in the in AWS partner network. So, and their particular partners. So we you know, AWS has as a as a thinking of AWS as cloud and large technology. Uh, company, there are partners that do the the implementation work, like an Accenture, some of the the large traditional ones, and and the, the consulting partners I'm focused on are really the strategy and management consulting firms. You've got the big three like McKinsey, BCG, and Bain, and it's kind of a newer area. Um, uh, it's it, it's for sure a newer area within AWS, and I joined uh, last July, so that was kind of again I was like, hey, this this sounds like a really exciting opportunity. It's a little bit of an untested. Uh, waters and territory within within AWS. Uh, so again, I was kind of drawn to it based on that. But the the role, I mean, being in strategic partnerships or global alliances, whatever whatever it may be, it's really about again bringing people together um, that might not otherwise come together. So it's you know we 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 have joint we have customers or uh, large companies that we are in pursuit of as AWS and. And, and trying to develop our cloud platform. And, and you've got these consulting uh, firms around the world that also have these fantastic relationships with these exact accounts or customers that, that we're talking to. And it's trying to bring these, these multiple parties together and, and get them to touch antennas a little bit and, and figure out, okay, can, can, we make, can we work together on this deal? Because, and when it works and the magic of these partnerships in the, in the enterprise space and the technology world is in the deal scope and the deal velocity and the deal closure of of, of what you're pursuing. If it's a, a large technology transformation, it's fantastic, right? You're, it's it, I mean, it's super cliche, but the one plus one equals three in this scenario is 100% true. So that and that's kind of that's the the high level focus of the role. Um, you know, day to day, it it is super varied. Um, I actually just moved recently down to, to Philadelphia about a, a month and a half ago. Mm-hmm. So currently, I, you know, I'll, some weeks I'll be up in New York from Tuesday to Thursday. I continue to work out of that office uh, uh, for Amazon. Other week, I just came back from Berlin and London uh, doing presentations and, and joint meetings over in Europe. Um, there's obviously a lot of travel back and forth to Seattle. But, but to be, I mean, it can, be, it can be anywhere across the U.S., um, as well. So there's, there, it's a, it's a pretty heavy travel, heavy role. And then coming out of KPMG and kind of that management consulting world, uh, you, you definitely get used to that. Did you do your presentations in Berlin and German? <laughs> no, no. Ah. Cause it was a mix. I mean, it was great to be back. Uh, <laughs> I, I didn't because it was a mix of partners from this consulting firm, from across EMEA mm-hmm. uh, and then some from Asia Pacific, but it was great to be in Berlin because I, I don't get to use the German that much. It's still, it's still, I mean, I could qualify it as fluent. It can get choppy. It gets definitely better if you have a few drinks. And so if I'm in the back of an Uber chatting with some guy, it's, it's fantastic to, to put it to use again. 
And but what, it, do, it does. It, it, you talk, you you asked about kind of the does it benefit you? Um, it, it, it totally does. In this role, particularly in the last this role that I've just taken, I've seen the the most um, kind of benefit from that dual dual language scenario versus like in Australia, just really didn't come up that much. You're, you're just so far away. Whereas with this role and the presence we have in a, in EMEA in Europe and the focus on driving new business there, and then, you know, going into whether it's Germany, Austria, Switzerland, and even it would just demonstrate just a little bit, whether you can, you know, it's at a dinner, dinner event and you can, you do some of the German that goes a long way. You always eventually flip back to English, but being able to have a little sidebar chat for five minutes uh, in another language is fantastic for, from a business perspective. And I, I'm not going to move you out of AWS since you've only been there, you know, 10 months, but what's yeah. the next, next leap of faith or risk for you on a personal side from a learning or a passion or a hobby that is similar in trait to all of this other stuff? Jeez, that's a good question. It's, I, I mean, I'd hate to say it's almost too soon. I, it, just last weekend, I was kind of, I was starting to think, okay, where do I see this leading over a three to five year period in this particular role, for example, you know, will I continue to operate in a strategic partnership or global alliance capacity? I don't, I don't have the answer for that. I, what I, I know and what I'm loving about this role that I'm doing at Amazon is just the, the amount of learning uh, that they expose you to in, in all shapes and forms. I'm, I'm obviously very deep in the AWS world, which is, which is cloud. And we have a heavy focus on AI and ML and data and analytics and internet of things. So that's all pointy end, super sexy stuff that, that is, um, that's drawing a lot of my attention. Uh, but even outside of that, the, um, uh, the, the, the exposure you get to other parts of Amazon and what you're able to, to, to pick up on and run with. And, and they really do, they talk a lot about at Amazon trying to build, trying to hire builders. Uh, and, and I, I've often thought about like how that, how well that suits my mentality as I came out of Miami of just, you'll figure it out. Like Amazon hires people and they don't hold them with a lot of soft hands or coddling. They kind of hire you and say, off you go and, and really figure it out. Um, so I think, yeah, I, 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 I don't know the exact, outlook for the for the next couple of years but i know i'm going to take the the experience that i'm going to have at, at amazon is, is going to be a good one because of the exposure you get to so many different areas and, and when i see you in two months uh back in oxford on at our 25th reunion what's the first thing you're going to do on campus oh I, it would be cliche not to say go to bagel and deli and and, and line up there uh <laughs> and then probably straight straight to top deck and, and and get a few pool games going i mean i can't think i can't think of anything more important than those two things right now to be honest. <laughs> i'm not sure there's and, anything else on campus besides those two things yeah 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 i mean it, you either start with that or you finish with it or you do both and you in somewhere in between you, you go to Mac and Joe's or CJ's or, uh, I mean, it's going to be great. If, if, if it's anything like the last one that we did, it'll be fantastic. Of course, Brunkus said he'd go to Bagon Deli and Top Deck as his first two places. I would have said the same thing. Well, of course, Skippers. Hey, that was a great pod. Jeff, thank you for taking the time. What a great backstory. The speaking Polish while you were thinking you are speaking German was classic. You've done unbelievable work. Continue to thrive. 
Thank you all for listening. Please share with friends, colleagues, Miamians. Hope you guys have a great day, great week ahead. See you at Skippers. <laughs>